Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! Still trying to figure out how these guys got on Lawrence Maroney videos after talking about Mason Crosby because we were talking about the NFL draft because the Packers drafted a kicker. Welcome to Life at ESPN Radio. What's up, everybody? (laughs) Hope you're having a great day. Uh, A ton to get to today. We were so um, full up with great interviewees yesterday. Today, uh, no sort. Instead, I I got a lot of things that I've been thinking about and a lot of conversations I've wanted to have. So, uh, I know it's not officially summer yet on the calendar, but it's been pretty nice around Missoula and uh, around the state of Montana. I know the rains are coming later on this week, but that's okay. Um, This time of year is when I like... Well, I love this show all the time, and I love hanging out with all you guys all the time. It is Nuanas now. Thanks so much for joining us here on your Tuesday. Um, But this time of year when... It becomes a little bit less strenuous and, and scheduled, and we can have a little bit more air to breathe and just sort of have open-ended conversations about the wide world of sports. It's one of my favorite times, and, and I, I find uh, great fun and joy and accomplishment in, in all the different seasons of the sports that we cover, but uh, this time of year is very fun, and we have some very fun uh, new segments coming up for you. If you can't tell, uh, I'm as into the NBA playoffs as I think I've been in a really long time. Uh, A part of that, I was thinking about this the other day, a part of it is because there's so many West Coast teams in the NBA playoffs, and just with the way my schedule goes these days, it just makes it so I can watch those late games. Like the games that start at 8 or 8.30, that's ideal for me. I'd rather actually 
I'd rather be going to bed earlier than when these things get over, but that's okay. Uh, it still gives me the opportunity to watch most, if not all, the games. So I've watched a ton, especially of the Western Conference playoffs. So we're going to continue that. We're going to officially, officially have a officially official uh, have a NBA segment. We're also going to debut a new uh, baseball segment. We'll talk all things baseball. That's Major League Baseball, Missoula Paddleheads, and Pioneer League Baseball, uh, American Legion Baseball, high school baseball, and. Uh, even maybe youth baseball, depending on some of the best of the best from around uh, the state of Montana. So that'll uh, debut on Thursday. Looking forward to both Jeff Saffer, the voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, and Andrew Houghton, our producer, uh, to, to contribute to that new segment. And then we also have a segment we started last week, a Stanley Cup playoff segment with Mike Anderson. That'll return uh, for a second week tomorrow. Uh, so look forward to that as well. So we have a bunch of that stuff today. Uh, I got a little bit to say about Jimmy Butler. I said a little bit about the, Jimmy Butler at the end of the show yesterday. I think Jimmy Butler is an inter- interesting case study because by some of the metrics that we we sort of glean and value um, in evaluating greatness and, and your legacy, where you stand in the hierarchy of all-time great NBA players, for some reason Jimmy Butler is like not really even close to in that conversation, although – to some, I think he is. Why is there that sort of divide? And where do I think Jimmy Butler fits into the history of the game? I think Jimmy Butler's pretty darn good. And I think by what we've based on legacy building with in the NBA, I think Jimmy Butler stacks up pretty favorably with some pretty recognizable names that I think that if you looked at the resumes, you'd actually have to think about it pretty long and hard. Uh, so we'll get into a conversation about that. We also have NFL draft evaluations, winners and losers from over the weekend. We got our Treasure State Stars, our uh, best of the best individual performances from around the state of Montana. At hour number two, we're going to continue playing our, our our silly but very entertaining game. I can't believe how hard I had Rajim Seabrook laughing last week. It's called Smart or Dumb. It's very easy. Sports Illustrated came out with a uh, NFL story that's basically just one – One bold statement about all 32 teams in the NFL, and then one paragraph justifying that statement. So the game is that we read the statement, we read the paragraph, and uh, then we just evaluate if that bold prediction is smart or dumb. (laughs) That's it. It's just a fun entry point, and uh, we'll keep doing that uh, until we get through that magazine as well. And then, uh, because we got a little, little air to breathe around here, Tommy Evans usually joins us for the last five or six minutes of the show on Tuesdays, but he's going to come by for the last, like, 20 minutes of the show this week. So can't wait for that. Uh, Tommy has his great show, the new show, from 6 to 7 p.m. on the trail, 103.3. So uh, whenever you – that's on Tuesdays. So anytime you change the channel, you're always allowed to go one notch up the dial, 103.3, the trail, Montana's Quality Rock. So Tommy will tell you all about the new show, but I also got to – we got to get the update on his (laughs) – on his children's novel that he's co-authoring with um, Chat GPT, <laughs> and uh, I also I also got to talk to him about a couple uh, movies because one of my favorite things is asking Tommy if he's seen a movie. He never has. He always proclaims that he will. He writes it down in his phone, but I think this list of movies that he's supposed to watch so that he can share with other people is like 200-plus movies long. So we'll talk some movies as well uh, while Tommy's in the studio. So there you go. That's what's coming up here uh, on the show today. I appreciate you for tuning in. If you want to be a part of the show here, 
Uh, at Speaking of Jimmy Butler, breaking news. Jimmy Butler out for game two, rolled his ankle bad in game one, played through it, led the rally by the Miami Heat to win game one at the Garden, in Madison Square Garden. But Jimmy Butler out for game two. Because Miami stole that game in game one, maybe they're just resting him in game two to make sure he's healthy for game three because Miami basically has stolen home court from the New York Knicks. Uh, so that's that's the news brief for today. But if you want to be a part of the show, the, part of the conversation, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. You can uh, call or text that number at any time. If you want to stream the show, you always can, 1029ESPN.com. And if you'd like to uh, watch outside of the uh, terrestrial television here on SWX, you always can on uh, our ESPN MT app. Any and all callers and texters, they will join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. Before we get into some of this NFL draft talk, I got to say thanks for all the <laughs> thanks for all the love notes and for all the uh, the debate. That's why we do some of these open-ended type conversations. Last Tuesday, we did a position-by-position group comparison between Montana and Montana State in football coming out of the spring games for both of those programs. And uh, at the end of the exercise, we we basically settled upon a uh, draw uh, between Montana and Montana State. And... uh, that seemed to be controversial. <laughs> and that's kind of what we wanted. So thanks for the conversation, and thanks for all the love notes, and uh, thanks for the debate. We appreciate it. Um, we will keep talking Cats and Grizz spring ball here uh, throughout the uh, the next couple months as well, because, of course, we talk football all the time around here. And when it comes to the NFL draft, winners and losers, you know, I don't know. We I think that the, the prospect evaluation at this point is so elite that in terms of the athletic skills and who has the athleticism and the football abilities to play in the NFL, it's pretty darn sophisticated. So I think that missing badly on the, um, on the evaluation of just the size, strength, speed and football playing ability of guys I guess what I'm saying is most of the thing, most of the factors that make draft picks fail, are not based on those forms of evaluation. They're not based on the testing and the measurements and all that. They are based more on guys basically fail this day and age because they can't handle the lifestyle, they can't handle the money, the they get drunk on their own self uh, expectations, but also more just more their 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 self image. Uh, they don't work like they need to be working. They don't put in the time uh, or the personal side of it, you know, whatever, any off-the-field issues or trouble or anything like that. Uh, I think that's the thing that most often derails it. It's very rare that a guy's just too slow or too bad at football to play in the NFL when they get drafted. I think the evaluation process is pretty darn good. Um, so when I say winners and losers, basically the way that I determine this is uh, – when teams have pretty definitive strengths and also pretty definitive weaknesses, and then they have a decent draft position to upgrade those weaknesses, that's when I think you have the opportunity to win. And then if you make a poor pick there, I think that's what makes you then you lost that opportunity. But I also think it's hard to deem losers, quote-unquote, based on just one player 
Um, unless it's just an egregious reach. So that's kind of the way that I formulate all of this. Right out the gate, I think that my number one winner, and this is not just pandering to Andrew, and uh, this is not just because we talk about the Eagles a lot around here for a variety of reasons. I mean, part of it is because they won the national, the the NFC last year. So, I mean, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. But I thought the Eagles um, absolutely won the day. A- after the dust settled now, the Eagles, they got Jalen Carter in the first round. They got Nolan Smith in the first round. They have now five guys that were all conference or all caliber, uh, all American, excuse me, caliber players uh, at Georgia during this great run where they have been the dominant program in the United States of America. And so I think there's a lot to that. First of all, um, I I remember thinking that the Georgia defense the last couple years was uh, one of the most talented and one of the most quote unquote league defenses I've ever seen. I thought that most of the guys you could tell. I had the speed and explosiveness and, and just pure pedigree to play in the NFL. And I think that's why you've seen so many of the guys from this defense uh, be drafted in the first three rounds of the draft. There's also the part, though, that these guys know how to play with each other. And then there's also the part where the transition schematically is, is pretty applicable. A lot of the guys that the Eagles have drafted are defensive linemen. The Eagles run... Uh, an unbelievable platoon at defensive line. They rotate like six to eight guys in. They're always fresh. I mean, they they had, I think, five players with double-digit sacks last year. They had 75-plus sacks during the regular season. I mean, they had a historically productive pass rush. Adding more guys to that, especially ones that have familiarity with the demands of it, the scheme of it, and with each other, uh, it just can't help... But accentuate it. It's a, it's a very unique strategy to target one program. But if you're going to target a program, how about the one that's played for the national championship perennially for the last couple years? Um, a team that, I mean, the first real team to, to stand up and, and get, in, get in the way of and then even defeat Alabama has been Georgia. So th- these guys are coming from a top-shelf program in terms of their preparation. And... Um, I also think that the demands on them mentally are not going to be that high, especially for the guys that play uh, in the front seven. So uh, there's just so much upside to this, the fact that the Eagles are already one of the best teams in the league, and then they're adding guys from one of the best college programs that we've seen in the modern era. Uh, it's just This is just kind of like the rich get richer, right, Andrew? I mean, this is... It's actually surprising that a tactic like this hasn't been employed sooner. Just one team targeting one specific college program. Well, it's the fact that they didn't even really have to target these guys. I mean, these weren't they weren't picking these guys ahead of where they were projected to be drafted. In fact, these are players who not only do you have the synergy with they all come from the same college program, these are guys who are falling to them and were good value at the spots where they were picked, right? You know, I think a lot of teams if they tried to work on this strategy, would end up reaching for guys off of a off of a defense or off of a college unit because that's their strategy. I'm not so sure this was the Eagles' strategy. I just think that these are the guys who were great picks when their pick came up, and uh, they sort of ended up backing into this strategy a little bit. So, yeah, I love it. Who on is now? ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the uh, ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for uh, kicking it with us. We also have some Tagliari, free Tagliari, that is, 
coming up. It is Tag Tuesday. Tag's got a couple locations uh, opening, or I guess that are currently open. So about 30 minutes from now, we'll be giving you an opportunity to win uh, a gift card courtesy of Tag Larry Daly, like we do each Tuesday. Um, another winner, I thought, in the draft, and, and and you know this is just cursory, pretty pretty broad, thirty thousand foot knowledge. But I, I just I think that there's just certain ways that you can help protect your assets or or make yourself better in an obvious fashion. The Green Bay Packers are have been very good for a long time. They're a well run organization. Um, it's a huge point of transition for the Packers. Uh, 18 years of Aaron Rodgers, like 13, 14, 15 of him starting there in Green Bay. Uh, but he's finally out, uh, headed to the New York Jets, and it looks as if the Jordan Love era is upon us. Um, what's a good thing for a, a young mobile quarterback? Well, how about how about some good tight ends? And, and that's what the, uh, the Packers went and got. I, I do think that Tucker Craft, the uh, hulking, and that's a true statement, the guy's a beast. Uh, tight end from South Dakota State. Uh, I think he's an NFL. I mean, I think he's a, a true NFL day one starter. And so I think that helps. Uh, they got him in the fourth round. So I think that's pretty good value. Uh, but I think the Packers have taken a lot of heat for drafting multiple tight ends because of just the point of transition that they're sort of going through right now. Um, but I like it. I, I think that it's it's good picks for the Packers because they just get a little bit of a a security blanket for Jordan Love. And uh, they drafted with their two of their first four picks, they drafted um, tight ends. So I don't know. I, I know that the, the pundits didn't necessarily like that, but I think that's okay, actually, just as Jordan Love gets his feet underneath him. Um, the, the Packers have some good young talent at wide receiver. Christian Watson was a breakout player, especially the second half of his rookie year out of North Dakota State. Um I, the Packers is very clear to me the, the moves they've already made here in the offseason, both in the draft and in free agency. They wanted to get faster on offense. Aaron Rodgers is probably sitting there thinking, well, why did we wait until after I was gone? Um, but make no mistake, Rodgers had some weapons during uh, his peak years there uh, in Green Bay, no matter how much he complained about them never using <laughs> draft picks to, to fortify the ranks. But either way, if Jordan Love's going to have success, they're going to have to protect him. And I do think that having a couple uh, big tight ends is certainly a way uh, to protect them, uh, to to protect him and give him, uh, you know, easy outs, easy reads uh, as he becomes a first-year NFL starter. Um, like I said, it's so hard to say teams are losers because they picked the wrong player because we don't know it's the wrong player. I think the only criticism you can say within the draft process is they picked the incorrect value for the slot that they were at. Um the, everybody, all the national pundits are calling the Patriots losers because the Patriots uh, had the opportunity to select a quarterback uh, throughout the draft, and they never did. That's a vote of confidence for Mac Jones. I know Mac Jones has come under fire. He was sort of the darling of the NFL two years ago, and then last year uh, experienced the other side of the coin, was basically getting dogged on quite a bit and scrutinized pretty heavily. But Bill Belichick, said in the offseason that that's his guy, and then I think not taking a quarterback is uh, sort of a, an affirmative vote for that, right? It's a vote of confidence for Mac Jones. I also think, though, I don't think Mac Jones is that great. I also don't think as, he's as bad as his worst moments last year. 
I, I think Mac Jones is a more surefire commodity at the very least, if not better than most of the guys that that went in the draft this year. Like, I, I wouldn't have drafted uh, maybe Bryce Young, probably Bryce Young, maybe C.J. Stroud, but I would not have taken uh, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis in, in, in to, to be a replacement for, for Mac Jones. So um, that's the part the Patriots are getting killed for. I'm actually not killing them for that. I, I want to talk a little bit about the one big sky guy that got drafted, and I don't want to be too hard on this kid because we hardly know this, this person. But I think that that's part of the, the analysis here. The, the only Big Sky Conference player drafted was Marte Mapu from Sacramento State. He was drafted by the Patriots, and uh, he was the Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year this year. He was, from everything I remember of him, he was a, a good player. But I don't remember that much of him. And I think the reason I'm struggling with this is, is as a third-round pick, this guy is now in rare air in, in my 17 years covering the Big Sky Conference. There's only a couple guys that have got drafted as high or higher during my time covering the Big Sky as Marte Mapu. Troy Anderson drafted in the second round last year. Tremaine Johnson dra- drafted in the third round back in, I think, 2011 or 2012 uh, out of Montana. And then, of course, Cooper Cup uh, was drafted in the third round as well and then went on to win almost all the awards you can win. Uh, in the NFL, it's just interesting to me to have Marte Mapu in the same breath as Cooper Cup and Tremaine Johnson. It's also strange to say the phrase Marte Mapu was drafted higher than Teron Johnson out of Weaver State, the uh, 2017 Big Sky Defensive MVP, or that Marte Mapu was drafted over Samson Ebucom at Eastern Washington. Both those guys start in the NFL now, so they, they are some of the guys that are the best uh, out of the Big Sky over the last decade plus. So it's, it's just weird. I mean, Marte Mapu was drafted higher than Jared Allen. It's just interesting because Mapu is a good player, but he's nowhere in the stratosphere of like memorable guys compared to all those other guys uh, I just listed. That said, I do think he has a lot of position versatility, which I think that's what makes him league. I also think the fact that he went in the third round, I don't think anybody else in the NFL would have taken him in the third round except for the Patriots. I'm not saying the kid didn't deserve to get drafted. I totally expected him to get drafted. I just thought it was going to be in the fifth or sixth or seventh round, not in the third round in the same company as some of the greatest players of Big Sky history. Yes, certainly a guy who is a real good fit for the Patriots because you can move him around on the back end of your defense. I mean, he can play safety. He can play outside linebacker. Actually, I think his best fit probably is an outside linebacker. Coulter, I'm wondering if, if this wasn't a function of like, the upside of the big sky being so far under the radar, right? Sure. Because where Marte Mapu's draft buzz started to come from was his performance at the Senior Bowl in the offseason. And he was the only Senior Bowl guy from the big sky, right? That's right. And he, by all accounts, he performed really well there. They do yeah. testing there. And they put you in a bunch of one-on-ones with a bunch of other draft prospects in the week of practice leading up to the Senior Bowl. And that's sort of, you know, I think that was sort of the first environment that a lot of teams were seeing him in. And they, uh, you know, haven't watched a ton of Big Sky football. And they uh, sort of discount that Sac State was the worst defense in the league last year with with Marte Mapu as the leader. Um, And so that's a guy who can really help his stock by performing in the pre-draft process and uh, that elides a little bit of his college performance. We've talked about this a lot too, but there has been a definitive emergence and evolution of the position that we've long known as nickelback. I do think that the nickel, 
There's a variety of versions of the nickel now. Uh, some teams are playing big nickels. Some teams have a big nickel and a quote-unquote small nickel, like a slot nickel. If you can be the guy that can play both of those, that gives you more versatility on the field. So um, it, it gives you, I guess, more ways that you can make it, right? It gives you more ways that you can contribute uh, to an NFL team. So, again, I'm not dogging on the kid. I totally thought he deserved to get drafted. It's just very strange. And I do think there's also a part of it, too, where, you know, maybe if Marte Mapu played for a different Big Sky school that had higher level of coverage, he would have had more exposure as well. Ironic that the only guy that got drafted was the guy that actually had less exposure than a lot of his contemporaries within the conversation of high draft picks out of the Big Sky out of the last 10 years. But if that guy plays at Idaho or Montana, maybe, or Montana State or something, maybe he has a higher level. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't know either. It's an interesting case. And again, not to discount the talent of player that he is because he is a guy who can play a lot of positions. You know, I think teams looked at him and saw a guy who can cover and also play in the box. And those players are super valuable in the NFL, right? Exactly like you've been talking about. And he is a guy who made a bunch of impact plays for Sacramento State. I mean, picked off six passes in his two years. Um, A talented player, just interesting to see. And not a ton of comparisons for him from the recent Big Sky guys. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Duan is now ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. couple more winners and losers from the draft. Um, like I said, I, I evaluate this based on like organizational stability, the ability to evaluate what your organization needs. Uh, I, think, I think when you have defined strengths and defined weaknesses, that's a good spot to be in as an organization rather than like the Houston Texans, what are their strengths? Like in comparison to the NFL, like do they do anything in the NFL as a, at a top eight level? I, I don't know. Whereas like the, a team like the Steelers, even though they were a fringe playoff team a year ago, like a nine and eight type team, you know what you got and you know what you need. It's, it's the same thing with like the Ravens or the Seahawks or the Lions. Like this, those teams that are very close, you know what you got, you know what you need. I think the Steelers are one of those though. And I think the Steelers got hooked up when Joey Porter Jr., name sound familiar? That's right. He is the son of former Steelers outstanding linebacker Joey Porter. Uh, when Joey Porter Jr., Joey Porter Jr. was like the defensive version of Will Levis. Obviously, the, the camera on the green room in the green room was on the Kentucky quarterback uh, early and often during the first round of the NFL draft. And, of course, Will Levis ended up not getting drafted but Joey Porter was uh, one of the three highest-ranked defensive prospects on the board that didn't get drafted, and uh, he ends up going then, didn't get drafted in the first round, excuse me, and he then goes to uh, Pittsburgh, which I think is a steal for them, fortifies their secondary. They also have pretty much perennially had a good offensive line, and when their offensive line's been great, they've been great. Um, more often than not, though, the, the Steelers' offensive line is a plus, but they also got one of the best offensive linemen in the draft in Broderick Jones, the big tackle uh, out of Georgia. So I think when you can get those guys and you know they're sort of plug and play into an already pretty good team, that can help you. I think those guys can help them right away. I think the other guy that I'd like is Darnell Washington. He's an enormous player, quite literally, the tight end out of Georgia. And if if it sounds like I'm high on Georgia players, it's because I am. I think that the system caters to you being the most NFL-ready. Like, if you're coming out of the SEC, especially Georgia, Alabama, and LSU, you're ready to play in the NFL. You've been 
you've been in a, a basically a professional system uh, for the duration of, of your uh, college career. A couple more uh, winners and losers. First, I think there's just, uh, just a complete to-be-determined with both the, the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans, probably the two top contenders in the AFC South. The Titans, um, despite what most people would say, having s- some pretty noticeable holes on their roster, they've been good to very good the last several years. They were the number one seed in the AFC two years ago, and then they followed it up by winning double-digit games last year. I think 10, maybe 11 games last year. They're over-under this year for wins in a season again is 11. Uh it will be remain to be seen how long they can last with Ryan Tannehill at the controls of the offense, and if Will Levis becomes anything. Will Levis uh, fell to the second round to the Titans, but I think that the Colts and the Titans, because of this draft, not only because they're in the AFC South, but because of this draft, will be tied together uh, for the foreseeable future. Everybody that covers the draft had the Colts drafting Will Levis at four. Instead, the Colts pulled a fast one and drafted Anthony Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson's upside is significantly higher than Will Levis. Marty Mornoweg, our go-to NFL guy, he agrees. But the bust potential for Richardson is enormous. He played a very small amount of games in his college career at Florida. He was not a model of efficiency. He looked unbelievably spectacular at times and then absolutely average at other times. And you can't be, if you're looking absolutely average in college, you're going to look absolutely horrible in the NFL. And that can't be what you're getting out of a, a number four overall pick. So will the Colts regret drafting Anthony Richardson over Will Levis or will Anthony, will Anthony Richardson pan out? Also, what does Will Levis become in Tennessee? When are they ready to pull the plug on Ryan Tannehill? Uh, a lot of to be determined there. My last winner from the first round, the or, of, or just the overall NFL draft, is the Buffalo Bills, only because I think that they are good to very good offensively. Their quarterback's outstanding. Josh Allen's an awesome player. Stephon Diggs is one of the best receivers in the NFL, one of the best offensive playmakers in the NFL. Uh, they do need to figure out to ru- how to run the ball more effectively, especially down the stretch of a season. But I think that they've been just just average, just okay at tight end. And I do think Dalton Kincaid, the kid they got out of, uh, well, he started his career at San Diego, finished his career at Utah. So FCS ties, to be sure. I, I think he's a guy that could be an impact player. And I think that tight ends, think about how good tight ends can help elite quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is so great, but Travis Kelsey is one of the great tight ends ever. Having the, that slot-type tight end that can run option routes out of the slot, it can move, go in motion before the snap, it, it can just diversify your offense so much, especially for quarterbacks like Josh Allen that could throw on the run. So I think that uh, it's a good pick, a good pickup uh, for the Bills in the first round. NFL draft winners and losers, there you go. We got free sandwiches, Tag Tuesday. Plus, I got some stuff to say about the one and only Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy Butler argument, who is he better than? Where does he rank in the history of two guards in the NBA? We shall debate. Next, keep it right here. No one is now ESPN Radio.
Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm, when it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Well, let's start some trouble. Welcome back to Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. Thanks so much for kicking it with us here on your Tuesday I've been thinking a lot about this. I obsess over N- NBA legacy building a lot. I do think part of that is just because I got indoctrinated with the concept of a hero and a villain when I was so young because I was so obsessed with professional wrestling. There is the the completely cynical and also, um, I don't know, more valid than I want to believe is true notion that the NBA, especially in the playoffs, a lot of the narrative building has been manipulated, but we won't go down that road. More than anything, I just think it's fun to talk about the NBA because we sort of have a a, a time-honored formula of how we determine greatness. So, uh, you know, we love ranking our players, and and basically the way in the NBA we've decided that players are ranked is, uh, first and foremost, what is their accomplishments in terms of winning? How do they do in the playoffs? How do they do uh, as the playoffs progress? How far have they gotten in the playoffs? How many times have they been to the finals? And how many times have we won the finals? When you look at the top you know, 15 to 18 guys in NBA history, all of them not only have great individual resumes that include gaudy statistics, great accomplishments, uh, in terms of all-star appearances and all-NBA appearances, all that. But they also have a bunch of rings. So when you're looking at uh, basically the Hall of Fame pyramid, and Bill Simmons is the guy that kind of coined this, and he's sort of the godfather of this idea of having this basically theoretical museum that ranks the, the all-time hierarchy of NBA players. Uh, basically, the, fir- the, the, the top 20 guys are the guys that have the greatest statistical accomplishments, the best individual resumes, and the most rings. Then the next guys are guys that won at a fairly high level but mostly have great individual accomplishments. And then there's guys in the sort of like the, the third tier of, if you're, let's say you're ranking the top 100, that have pretty good individual statistics and an okay history of winning or a great history of winning and okay statistics. Uh, there's a lot of guys that Simmons and others consider to be all-time great players, guys that were on the, the NBA uh 50 greatest players list, the NBA 75 greatest players list. There's a lot of players on that list that were most often, if not never, the best players on their teams. I mean, look at guys like, you know, Gail Goodrich is considered, you know, a top 75 to 80 to maybe 90 guy 
in NBA history. Gail Goodrich was a great player, but he was also never the best player on the Los Angeles Lakers. He was never better than Jerry West. He was never better than Elgin Baylor. And uh, so, I mean, that's just one of many, many examples, right? Like James Worthy is considered a top 50 player of all time. James Worthy also had the phenomenal uh, good fortune of playing point guard or of playing power forward and running the lane with Magic Johnson playing point guard. There's also a lot of guys that didn't quite get over the top, but that have unbelievable statistical production. You know, the guys, you know, kind of that quintessential list, best players to never win a championship, you know, led by guys like Carl Malone and Charles Barkley, uh, but also guys like, you know, Jason Kidd, uh, Allen Iverson, Patrick Ewing. So, and, and then there's guys that maybe got the opportunity to be the best player on their team early in their career or late in their career, but to win rings, they had to team up with somebody else. So there's a lot that colors all of this. There's only a handful of guys that were ever the best player on the best team multiple times in a row. Those guys are named like Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird, and Mike and Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, guys like that. But I, I just think it's so interesting where Jimmy Butler now fits into the scope of this argument because the Bucks, or excuse me, the Heat just knocked out the Bucks. Um, it's one of the first, I think it's one of only three, four times ever in NBA history that an eight seed has defeated a one seed. You also have a Heat team that really stumbled down the stretch, knocking out a Bucks team that's won a championship recently and also is led by one of the three or four best players in the NBA in Giannis Antetokounmpo when Antetokounmpo is in his prime. So I started thinking about the history of shooting guards in the NBA, and I think that it's pretty definitive that, I mean, I don't think anybody would argue with you if you were ranking Michael Jordan as the greatest shooting guard of all time. I don't think anybody would argue with you if you were ranking Kobe Bryant as the second best two guard of all time. I don't think anybody's arguing with you you if you have Dwayne Wade as the third best two guard of all time. Then it gets a little bit muddy, though, because when you're actually, and what I just said, I laid out all those things that define a resume and define a legacy in the NBA, because if you're Talking about individual statistical production combined with regular season winning, combined with success in the playoffs, then combined with who you beat in the playoffs, and Jimmy Butler's resume becomes a whole heck of a lot stronger. Now, I'm not sitting here ready to rank Jimmy Butler as definitively like a top five or even top eight shooting guard of all time, but I do think... There's several guys that are in the conversation as top 10 shooting guards of all time that have resumes somewhat akin uh, to Jimmy Butler. So Allen Iverson's a, 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 another guy that's probably surefire top five shooting guard of all time. Now, AI went to the finals once, same as Jimmy Butler, but AI had you know way more scoring titles. He also had uh, such a unique game that makes him so unforgettable. So I think AI is there above Jimmy Butler. I do. James Harden, also his statistical production is ridiculous. He's got multiple scoring titles. And actually, after looking it up, James Butler or James Harden, excuse me, uh, has a little bit more success in the playoffs than I do believe he gets credit for. Uh, he is a seven-time All-NBA selection, a 12-time All-Star, and he is 15 and 13 in playoff series. Now, we'll put that into perspective in a minute because I have some playoff numbers for a variety of these other guys that are in the same competition. I, I also think names that could be in the top 10 shooting guards of all time, George Gervin, the outstanding shooting guard for the San Antonio Spurs, a four-time scoring champion, seven times All-NBA, 
but George Gervin was only 3-13 and in playoff series in his NBA career. Ray Allen, another one. Ray Allen has a great playoff record, 21-9, and but he was only 3-4 and in the playoffs when he was the best player on the Bucks. He had to join up with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce in Boston, and then LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh in Miami, and that really booned uh, Ray Allen's winning statistics. He's still a very good all-time great player, one of the great shooters in NBA history. Clyde Drexler is another one that's in the argument there. Uh, he's a 10-time All-Star, 5-time All-NBA, went to two finals as the best player on the team, also then went back to a finals later on in his career as like the third best guy on the Houston Rockets. Drexler, 16-14 and 14 in the playoffs. So I think most of those guys are clear. But I do think the argument begins with Ray Allen and then the next, the next two guys who are probably in that top 10 shooting guards of all time. Reggie Miller for the Indiana Pacers and Vince Carter of the Toronto Raptors, New Jersey Nets, and then a whole bunch of other teams that are sort of like the second half of his completely random and unlikely career. Uh, but I, I think that you could fit in a good argument against all three of those guys. Jimmy Butler's resume, by the way, is uh, he's averaging 18.3 points per game. He's a six-time All-Star. He only has one All-NBA selection. That's his biggest knock. He only has one All-NBA selection. But he's 13-11 and 11 in playoff series. He's been to one finals. He's been to four conference finals. You compare that to Reggie Miller, 18.7 points per game, so about the exact same amount of points per game. Reggie Miller, this, was, this actually surprised me, was only a five-time All-Star. That's one less than Jimmy Butler. Reggie Miller was three times third-team All-NBA. That's all. No other All-NBA. So a, a similar knock to Jimmy Butler. And Reggie Miller was 14 and 15 in the playoffs. So they're pretty comparable in terms of their playoff accomplishments. They each led their teams to the finals as the best player once. I think some people are probably driving around right now, Andrew, saying... There's no way Jimmy Butler's as good as Reggie Miller. But if you compare the resumes to Reggie Miller, Jimmy Butler, and some of these other guys that are considered pretty pretty uh, consensus all-time great shooting guards, uh, it, 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 it becomes more muddy. You can see that where Jimmy Butler might actually fit into this argument. No, as a matter of fact, Reggie Miller and Jimmy Butler is a great, great comparison. Right, but, but Reggie Miller on Bill Simmons' Hall of Fame period, pyramid is, is ranked as the... Like one of like the he's ranked as the 63rd best player of all time. Right. Multiple lists have him as between the seventh and ninth best shooting guard of all time. I just don't think the average American sports fan would say, "Oh yeah, Jimmy Butler is like in the second tier of shooting guards in the history of the NBA." Right behind the you know sort of big five of uh, you know Jordan and, and Kobe and those guys. Well, here's where I think you're going to get pushed back on Jimmy Butler. And first, I think Jimmy Butler and Reggie Miller is such a great comparison because like. Both guys who are really known for raising their game in the playoffs, right? Both guys who the majority of their iconic moments come in the playoffs. Reggie Miller, obviously a better three-point shooter, but Jimmy Butler, clearly a better rebounder, defender, playmaker. Yep. I think that where you're going to get pushback on Jimmy Butler is, first of all, saying that he... How much do you discount the bubble finals, right? Like saying that he led a team to the finals as the best player is technically true. It's certainly true. And he was, the, he was the barista of the year. Uh, he was living down there in the bubble, selling the coffee for $10 a deal. I thought that was hilarious. Do you weigh that as highly as Reggie Miller taking the Indiana Pacers to the finals in the late 1990s? 
D-Wade as highly as Allen Iverson taking the Philadelphia 76ers to the finals once in the early 2000s. I think there are a lot of people who would say, you know, that happened in an unprecedented year for competition and uh, an environment that gave the Miami Heat, who had a team that had been together for a couple years, had one of, if not the best coaches in the entire league. Absolutely. That environment gave the Miami Heat a lot of advantages that year. That, that, I think that there true. are a lot of people who would say that. It's definitely true. My counter-argument would be that Reggie Miller is so famous and infamous because of his phenomenal performances at Madison Square Garden. No doubt. He, he ripped the throats out of the New York Knicks at least four times in the 90s. That also, though, came with an over-elevated sense of, like, hero-making for Reggie Miller because of what the Knicks were at that time and because of what basketball means in Indiana and how Reggie Miller was the one guy who would stay, and he stayed in Indiana. He's the L.A. guy. He went there. And because he was, like, talking trash with Spike Lee as he was hitting these iconic shots. For sure. And then, he, you know, the the nine points in 17 seconds or whatever the actual numbers were, when he gets the steal and he hits the three and he's doing the jumping jacks and up and down, he's spinning 360s on the court. I mean, that's one of the most unforgettable moments in 90s basketball in the NBA. It was also, though, then promoted at an unbelievable and some would say even nauseating level to make him into a hero. And I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is, like, Reggie Miller was ripping the throat out of John Starks. Giannis Antetokounmpo just ripped the throat out of Gian- or uh, Jimmy Butler just ripped the throat out of Giannis. That's different to me, even though I know it's only the first round of the playoffs. But I, I, I know I have a recency bias right now and prisoner of the moment, but I, I just think that the Heat get a lot of credit and Jimmy Butler gets a lot of credit for knocking out the Bucks this year, too. No doubt, and it's credit that will only grow. I mean, he's got a very good chance now. You said out tonight, but Miami's up 1-0, and they've got a good matchup in the Knicks. Miami has a very good chance to make the Eastern Conference Finals at least this year, and so the credit will only grow there if he's able to do that. I think the other thing that hurts Jimmy Butler is he bounced around a little bit, right? He couldn't make it work. Those Chicago teams that he was on never made the Eastern Conference Finals when he was a real contributor. They might have done it the first couple years he was in the league when he was averaging five points per game or whatever. Jimmy Butler didn't make the Conference Finals until he got his own team with the Heat. For sure. Jimmy Butler is... That's why I think he has an elevated standing in my mind, though, because there's a variety of guys on this top 100 list that were never the best player on their team or when they were did not have the type of playoff success Jimmy Butler's had. I'm not saying he's in the realm. Like, a guy like Chris Mullen, like Jimmy Butler is has been a bit the best player on a team that's won multiple playoff series. Chris Mullen has not. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, Reggie Miller and Jimmy Butler is a great comparison, but like... Vince Carter was spectacular in his younger days. He was averaging 25 points per game, and he was winning the dunk contest. He did diddly squat when it comes to winning or winning in the playoffs. Like Vince Carter is widely considered a top 100 player and a top 10 player at his position, and I think Jimmy Butler is way more beneficial to impacting winning. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that Jimmy Butler is such a sort of most people knee-jerk reaction would say you're crazy for talking anywhere in the realm of Jimmy Butler versus Ray Allen or Reggie Miller or Vince Carter. But when you really look at the resumes, 
it's pretty comparable. Look, man, I agree with you. I yeah. would actually probably take him over Reggie Miller just because <laughs> I like guys who can defend yeah. and handle the ball as opposed to guys who can just sort of run around the arc shooting threes. And I know right. that's not the only thing Reggie Miller did. But, like, I'd rather have a guy like Jimmy Butler than a guy like Reggie Miller. But I think you could also make the argument that, like, being able to be the second or third best player on a championship winning team yeah. is a point in favor of Ray Allen. Because Jimmy Butler hasn't shown that he can do that. Oh, that's, that, Jimmy that's Butler right. has that's only right. shown that he can be that, the right. man. That's right. That's that's totally true. And Ray Allen was not only a real contributor. He was not only to able to adjust his game to fit in on a championship team. Somebody like Ray Allen also had a period of years where he was the best guy on his team. And yeah. although they didn't make quite the impact, you know, those Bucks teams never got to a finals with Ray Allen. Yeah. And the Sonics never got to a finals with Ray Allen. Right. Um, you know, a guy who has shown that he can do both of those things, I think has a really good argument against somebody like Jimmy Butler, who not only has only thrived as the man, also blew up a promising team in Minnesota. Yep. Wasn't able to make things work with a really promising team around Joel Embiid in Philadelphia, and that was not entirely his fault. It sounds like Jimmy Butler wanted to be there in Philadelphia, and the front office went another direction. But how much, uh, how many demerits do you give Jimmy Butler for before finding a great situation for himself in Miami? Couldn't make it work in Chicago extremely could not make it work in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and then didn't work out in Philadelphia, you know? Absolutely. Man, I got so much to say about this. More Jimmy Butler in hour two. Treasure State stars. Best performances from around the state of Montana, plus free tag Larry. Next, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. One, two, three. One is now on ESPN Radio. Can't believe it's May. Crazy. No one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We got playoff hockey here on ESPN Radio. Uh, the Seattle Kraken won their first ever playoff series. They've only been a franchise for two years, but they outlasted the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche, uh, to move on. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure I have this right. Uh, tonight, right? Game one against the Stars? That's correct. Uh, broadcast begins at 7 p.m. Nice. Okay, so uh, should be a fun series. We'll have the uh, we'll have the duration of the series as the official affiliates uh, of the Seattle Kraken. Call us right now if you want some free tag the area. We're going quickest draw here. First caller, call us four zero six eight 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 one zero two nine. We got twenty five bucks to tag the area. Uh, they got two locations now. The best way to do it is just to order online, then go pick it up. It's the weather is beautiful these days. At least it's uh, more often than not supposed to be beautiful. So pick up your sandwich, go eat it in the park, go for a walk, whatever you want to do. One location, the uh, OG location at the corner of Beckwith and Higgins, the, the new location there uh, off Wyoming Street, right there in the new Cognizant building in the Sawmill District. So go check them out. But make sure that when you order it online, then you go to the, the store that you ordered it from. You don't want to order from Beckwith and Higgins and then go to Wyoming. You don't want to order from Wyoming and then go to the other one. Go to the right store. It's pretty easy. We do Tag Tuesday every Tuesday here on Nuanas Now, just like we do our Treasure State Stars, some of the best individual performances from around the state of Montana. Treasure State Star number one. We talked about uh, how much just sort of weekly but fun and good publicity having athletes of the week in track and field can get you as an athletic department, as a university. 
Montana State has had so many athletes of the week in track and field over the last couple of years, and it's gotten them in the news week after week after week. Well, now Montana is improving in track and field, and one of the guys that's leading the way for the Grizz track team is Evan Todd. He was the Big Sky track and field, uh, the field men's athlete of the week this week. Um, he is a champion javelin thrower, a uh, young man who's had a variety of different podium finishes in Big Sky Conference action over his career, and a guy who has the number one throw uh, in the Big Sky in the javelin so far this year. That's what helped earn him uh, Big Sky Field Athlete of the Week uh, earlier on this week. So our Treasure State star number one, Evan Todd, a Kalispell Glacier native, one of the best javelin throwers in the entire Western region and certainly uh, in the Big Sky Conference. Treasure State star number two, Willa Albrick. She was a Lady Grizz for the last couple of years. She did not play hardly at all. Uh, when she was coming out of high school, she was a multiple-time state champion in track and field. I thought her best sport was in track and field. That's not because she's not a good basketball player. She's a good basketball player. She's just very, very good at sprints. I mean, she was the, two, I think, two-time Montana State 100-meter champion. So uh, I always wondered if she would ever go back to track. She's sticking with basketball, though. She entered the transfer portal this last offseason, and she is transferring to Carroll College. So she is the latest Division One drop-down for Rochelle Sayers' crew. And uh, Carol's just had a lot of talent over the last several years, and I think that that'll continue with Will Albrecht finding a new home. Treasure State star number three, a young man we've talked about quite a bit on this show. He's got a great name, famous left hand. He is a hardened Montana native. He has played junior college basketball in the last couple of years, and now uh, he just signed yesterday with Montana State Billings. So he gets to stay in state. Uh, Harden, uh, obviously close to Billings, so pretty close to home for famous left hand, and uh, we'll see how he pans out there at MSUB. Treasure State star number four, Gretchen Donnelly. She is from Huntley Project. She was a junior this last year, state champion uh, in girls wrestling. Well, now she can claim national uh, prominence because she won by pin in the finals of the Girls National High School Recruiting Showcase in Las Vegas over the weekend. So Donnelly continues to dominate, uh, mowing through a national field there in Sin City. This last year in high school wrestling, Donnelly was 48-0 and with 41 pins en route to capturing the 138-pound MHSA Girls State Championship. Uh, she won the 145-pound title last year and was fourth at state at 126 pounds her freshman year. So Gretchen Donnelly... One of the best wrestlers in the state of Montana, period. Treasure State star number five. Second time this young man has popped up on Treasure State stars recently. It's Julius Mims. He was a former high school uh, All-State basketball player and and state champion high jumper at Billings Skyview. Last time he was in the news is because he was the uh, he's at North Idaho College right now playing basketball. He was that conference's player of the year a couple uh, probably about a month ago. Well, now he's headed to the Big Sky Conference, but he is not headed to one of the two Montana schools. Instead, the Montana product will head to the University of Idaho, so a, uh, a signing for uh, the Vandals of a Montana guy. I, w- I would love to know the history of that. I'm sure there has been a Montana guy or two or maybe a handful, I don't know, that have played at the University of Idaho in men's basketball. I'll check back. We'll, we'll get some info on that because I think that's an interesting tidbit. Treasure State star number six. How about Connor Dick? He was our Class AA uh, Boys Basketball Player of the Year. And uh, this last week, I guess last Friday to be specific, the Missoula Hellgate senior committed to the University of Montana. 
to play men's basketball. Happy for him. Uh, I know it's the 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 choice. Or I guess the uh, the opportunity he hoped would be available. So then when it was, um, he couldn't help but grab it. He had he had to go get it. He had to go stay home and, and play for his hometown team. Treasure State Stars presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union is the best place in Western Montana to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. Hour one of the books, hour two coming at you. I got more stuff to say about Jimmy Butler because, of course, I do. We're also going to play our fun new game, Smart or Dumb. <laughs> it's not as harsh as it sounds. It's a heck of a lot of fun. And Tommy's got his shirt tucked in today. That means he's all business. He'll join us about 530 as well. Uh, hour number two coming at you. New Honest Now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 